Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. Have you ever noticed a married couple that has been together for a long, long time, and they know each other so well that there seems to be an unspoken communication between them? It seems that the one can tell how the other feels just by a glance into their face. This is really a blessed state of marriage to arrive at, but more importantly, it demonstrates a very special intimacy and knowledge of one another. It is just this kind of tender and intimate knowing that the Apostle Paul was referring to in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. But whom you forgive, he wrote, I also forgive, for also what I have forgiven. If I have forgiven anything, it is for your sake in the person of Christ. This phrase, in the person of Christ, can also be translated as in the face of Christ, and it implies the most intimate knowledge of another person. Ron Kangas has joined us for a very sweet and, I would say, profound fellowship in a, in a real sense. Ron, welcome to the program. Thank you, Chris. Sweet and profound. These are good words to describe Paul's being, his living. Paul here is not teaching. He is not exhorting. He actually is, is testifying. Uh, we'll see more, no doubt, but just to give us a little foretaste, Paul is forgiving a brother. And he is forgiving, not by himself, but in the fellowship with the church in Corinth. And more particularly, he is not just forgiving because he has a compassionate heart and mm -hmm. or he's obeying the command to forgive but he is living in the most intimate and personal contact with Christ and is living and forgiving and doing everything according to what Christ indicates through his face especially through the area around the eyes so here's a person, Paul, in intimate fellowship with Christ. And even in the matter of forgiving someone, he would not do this on his own. He would be checking with the Lord. He would be one with the Lord. He would be living the Lord. And he would be expressing the Lord according not only to what the Lord said, but according to what the Lord indicated by his face, by his eyes. Mm. It's sweet because it's so intimate. It's profound because it involves such a deep union and oneness with the Lord in the Spirit. 
Ron, we're going to uh, save our uh, more developing fellowship on this point to the middle of the program today. We come to the beginning uh, with a, a section just before this where Paul uses a very particular phrase in verse 23 in chapter 1 now. He says, But I call on God as a witness against my soul that to spare you I have not yet come to Corinth. And it's embedded in a segment where Paul is uh, not vindicating himself but explaining to the believers in Corinth that his delay in coming was not due to any fickleness on his own part but the fact that he was living in this index in this intimate contact with the Lord and sensitive to the Lord's timing as when to come. But particularly this phrase we want to look at in the first portion today, but I call on God. And interestingly, he didn't use a more generic term like I prayed to God or I asked God, but specifically I call on God. And Witness Lee is going to connect this verse with a well-known verse in the Gospel of John in chapter 4, verse 24. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truthfulness. And that's our topic for the first segment. Let's join Witness Lee. Verse 123. But I call on God. Call on God does not only mean pray to God. Does not only mean ask God to do something. No. This is a kind of calling. It means to call a strong calling spirit. God is a spirit. They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit. And to pray is to worship God. This has to be in spirit. Using what and word, how to express your prayer. That is much, much secondary. The first thing is to exercise your spirit. Oh, Father, this to call on God. Be sure. God is happy about it. Why? Because the Lord Jesus says in John 4, the Father today is seeking this kind of worshiper. Worshiper by the Spirit. You have to realize Paul was not a careless writer. He wrote all his epistles with much consideration to use the words. He didn't say, I ask God. He didn't say, I pray that God. He said, I call on God. This calling on implies the real exercise of the spirit. He was a person living in spirit. And he was a person surely worshiping God in spirit. Ron, one of the things you have to be impressed about if you spend any time uh, listening to this program or uh, reading this ministry is that no words are, seem to be lost uh, to Witness Lee when he was opening up the scripture. Here he takes these three short words, call on God. And how much did he see here? Tremendous, isn't it? I agree. He was a very careful student of the word. And in his way of studying the Bible, as he often testified, he did not take things for granted, but would consider them and ask the Lord concerning them. 
and also our brother in, in keeping with another sound principle of Bible interpretation would interpret Scripture by and with Scripture. So these words, I call on God. The word calling is a significant word in the practical life of the Christian, not according to the usual practice today, but according to the New Testament practice. The believers were known as those who called on the name of the Lord. The Lord is rich to all who call upon him, Paul says in Romans 10. And to call is different from praying or meditating. Nothing wrong with praying or meditating. But Paul used the word call. And he says, call on God. And here we consider John 4.24. God is spirit. In order to call on God, we need to use to exercise our spirit. This is what God wants in the way of worship. Since God is spirit, if we are to call on him with the intention of contacting him, enjoying him, having fellowship with him, we need to use our spirit. Believe me, Chris, that if the Lord's people would do these few things, their Christian life, their daily life, in the midst of their human predicaments, would be enriched and uplifted. Call. Call on the Lord. Call on God. Another, exercise our spirit. Not simply call in the way of thinking or call out of some kind of emotional reaction. Call by exercising our spirit. And then the other matter, contact God. We are not shouting a name in the air. We're calling on God. What could be more profound than for a human being to call on God, the living triune God, contacting him in the spirit and receiving the Lord's instant supply by calling on him with the exercise of the spirit? Mm. Well, wonderful. This calling is connected to the contact with God that you just mentioned, then that really, I think, is the essence of this next portion we come to. We opened with this verse in chapter 2 of Second Corinthians about Paul's forgiveness of this brother, doing it in the person of Christ. And we mentioned that this also can be translated in the face of Christ. That's based on Second Corinthians 4, 6, where Paul said, because the God who said, out of darkness light shall shine, is the one who shined in our hearts to illuminate the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's the same Greek word as translated as in the person of Christ in chapter 2. And this connection and this uh, more intimate component, the particular place in the face, this area around the eyes, will become very important to us as we get into it. Uh, and Witness Lee will develop it just now in this coming section. Paul says, if I have forgiven anything, it is for your sake in the person of Christ. What is to 
forgive a brother in the person of Christ. The person in Greek is face, as in 4.6. The glory of God shines on the face of Christ. The same word, face, denoting the very face, just the part around the eye. It's quite beautiful. If you look at my face in a general way, you just see, well, this is an old man, right? With some wrinkles. But if you are going to know what is going on in my heart, happy, mad, satisfied, you don't look at my wrinkles, right? Surely you look what part? This part. This part around the eye is an index of the inward thoughts and feeling to signify the whole person. This is the very face denoted by this Greek word. When Paul was forgiven the sinful brother, he did it by looking at this part of the Lord Jesus. He was looking at the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus. <laughs> oh, he said, very good. I'm in care to do it. I know. My forgiving that brother is present to the Lord Jesus. So, I do it. I do it in the index of his entire being on his face, around the eyes. This indicates that the apostle is one who lives and acts in the presence of Christ. Ron, Paul says, for me to live is Christ. Paul was a person who didn't just live godly, he lived Christ. If that is going to have any practical meaning and application to us, it seems like a key is incorporated in these verses in this portion, isn't it? There certainly is a crucial component. And I remark again that Paul is not teaching. You use the illustration of married life in your opening. It's very different from uh, an experienced husband to exhort a young man to take care of your wife's feeling, you know, mm -hmm. Right. A look at her and see what her expression is. That's really a kind of ethical teaching. Paul is not teaching. He's living here. And it is a living, according to the text, in the person of Christ. That means in the face, before the face of Christ. And specifically, an area around the face, around the eyes, where the inward feeling is expressed through the eyes. So, Paul was not asking himself, what would Jesus do? That is not the Christian life. That's a counterfeit. Paul would be one with the Lord, intimate and affectionate with the Lord, checking the Lord's feeling. How does the Lord feel about this matter 
What is the Lord doing? Is the Lord happy with what Paul is about to do? Now we could ask further, where is the Lord with whom Paul is checking? We may suppose that he's merely with us, like his presence envelops us. We would not deny this. The Lord said, I will be with you all the days. But according to the New Testament, how is the Lord with us? Paul's own word in Second Timothy 4.22 says the Lord is with our spirit. In Second Corinthians 3, Paul is beholding the glory in the Lord's face. In chapter 4, he speaks of the shining of God's glory in the face of Christ. Yes, Christ was with Paul. Paul was with Christ. But in a deeper and more profound, there's the word profound again, mm -hmm. applied experientially in a more profound sense, this Christ lives in Paul, Galatians 2.20. He lives in him. Christ is in him living, and Paul is inwardly looking at him, gazing at him. So Paul lives out practically what the same way Christ is living in him inwardly. And it's exceedingly precious. I think we need to admit it's a level of living the Christian life that most of us have yet to enter into. But Paul lived this way. And I would not equate Watchman Nee or Witness Lee with Paul. They would not do that. We would not do that. But as a student of Paul, as one receiving the ministry of Paul, entering into the spirit of Paul in a book such as Second Corinthians, right. Brother Lee learned in considerable measure how to live this way. So when he talks about it, it doesn't come across as theory, does it? No. It doesn't come across as this Bible exposition, but as a testimony of a living in the face of Christ. Marvelous. Oh, boy. I'll say marvelous. Uh, we've mentioned several times now that this book, even in total, is not a book where Paul is teaching, whether where he's laying forth great Christian doctrine as he did in Romans and in other places. Uh, but this book is just a picture. It's a window into the person of Paul and his living as a kind of, as we said before, demonstration of what he was trying to lead the Corinthians to in the first epistle, in first Corinthians, as a solution to all of their problems. And that uh, makes this book unique, I think, in his writings. And Witness Lee will touch that in this final segment as we really see this book uh, presented as a kind of autobiography of the living and life of Paul. In a way, this epistle may be considered to some extent an autobiography of the Apostle Paul. 1940, when Brother Nee had conferences on this book, he told us Deuteronomy should be considered an autobiography of Moses and Second Corinthians an autobiography of the Apostle Paul. 
We all know an autobiography always talks about the writer himself. Here in this book, Paul talks a lot about himself. He talked more about himself than about Christ. It is an autobiography of the Apostle Paul himself to witness Christ. Why say this? Listen. In it, we see a person who lives a Jewish, who lives a scholar. No, who lives Christ according to what he wrote concerning Christ in his first epistle. He lives what he wrote. And this is the autobiography to witness Christ. A person who is one with Christ, full of Christ and saturated with Christ. One who is broken and even terminated in his natural life. And pure and genuine in his spirit toward the believers for the fulfillment of God's eternal purpose in the building up of Christ's body. Ron, it's worth focusing on this for a minute. I think, you know, with Paul, we have a person who had a great religious pedigree in his Jewish tradition and heritage, and also one who had some great learning and accomplishments. Uh, But when we come to this book that's his autobiography, we touch none of this, do we? We only touch the spirit of a man terminated in himself, broken in his natural life, living in the most personal and affectionate contact with the Lord. This is what we touch. Paul did not set out to write an autobiography, but in effect, this epistle is an autobiography because Paul, by fellowshipping the way he does with the church in Corinth, unveils his being, his person, his living. So, In this book, which has much to say about the New Testament ministry, we'll get into this in upcoming Mm. programs quite much, and the New Testament ministers, we actually see in the depths that the ministers and their ministry are one. And it's altogether a matter of ministering the Christ who is living in you and whom you are living We have a little book published many years ago by Living Stream Ministry, an autobiography of a person in the spirit based upon 2 Corinthians. And in that book, as in this book, 2 Corinthians, we see Paul, full of Christ, one with Christ, expressing Christ, living Christ, ministering Christ. Quite touching. Yes and inspiring. Ron, I'm uh, grateful you mentioned this book, An Autobiography of a Person in the Spirit, and as you said, based on uh, Second Corinthians. We would recommend, of course, the printed life study, uh, two-volume set for Second Corinthians. You can find out about that if you'll call us toll-free today, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Or you can write to us at Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. 
or send email to radio at lsm.org. I've enjoyed our fellowship as always, Ron. Thank you for being with us, and uh, I invite you to back as soon as you're able to come. Uh, I look forward to that. In the meantime, let's learn to live this wonderful Christ. I would say amen to that as we close today. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wild. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America, and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one, and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.